guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I want to recognize our incredibly generous sponsors, Cheyenne Wolford of Custom Concrete Specialists, John Fallowich, Fallowich Construction Services, Jim Cover, Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, Danny Arroyo, WorkSafe Consulting, and Building Omaha, a collaboration between the Nebraska Electrical Contractors Association and the IBEW. Thank you, one and all. You are true believers in workplace safety and health, and I appreciate you. All right, let's get into today's episode. Let's go ahead and get started. Good morning, everybody. This is Doug, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? It is September 15th, Friday, here in Omaha, Nebraska. Another beautiful morning. I am so, I really enjoy the fall. The fall is my favorite time of year. Me too. So it, it, we had a beautiful morning, got outside, get a lot of little sun in my retina, and uh, drank some coffee and walked the dogs. So it's off to a good start. What a great morning. And it's nice and cool and crisp. Nice and cool. I love that. Well, my guest this morning is Aaron Aliano. Uh, we just met recently through a mutual friend, family member, uh, Abby. Everybody knows Abby that Everybody listens to the show. Abby. So she put us in contact with each other, which I really appreciate because you were going to talk about something that I don't have a lot of familiarity with, which is change management. You are a change man- management consultant now. Right. You've started your own business, which is very exciting. It is. It is. Thank you. It is Four Leaf Solutions. Four Leaf Solutions right here in Omaha, Nebraska. That is awesome. Yeah. And so for those of my list, the listeners that don't know really what change management is or how one becomes a change management specialist. Um, did you yeah. grow up wanting to be a change management specialist? No. <laughs> that... They never tell you what you want to be when you grow up. Like, yeah, so like doctor, lawyer, change yeah. management. Or a change management practitioner. Yeah. So would you like to be? How did you come to be yeah. in it, this profession? It's amazing. Um, I didn't know I wanted to be a change management practitioner. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Until um, I actually took a, a leadership course um, through the University of Nebraska-Omaha. And they had um, one of the classes was about change management. And it talked about um, helping people to understand why we were making a change, preparing them to make the change, um, going to training to learn how to make the change, and then helping them to coach and sustain the change for the return on investment or to grow the business or whatever the the why was, Mm -hmm. and to help measure the success of that. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've been doing this my entire career, I just called it training or I called it coaching, consulting, any of those Management. different. Yeah. Same. Being a leader. Right. And um, it just put a formal practice in place. So I explored more and there's actually the Association of Change Management Professionals, which is an organization that helps to certify um, professionals. Um, they can get a certification in change management. People go for organizational psychology at different universities. Um, they're able to apply this work, and they're able to help leaders uh, help their teams through any change okay. um, throughout any industry. That's I got interested. Sorry, yeah, I got interested in safety because of Abby. Really, and understanding you know the different regulations that you have through um, mandates from OSHA or any of the other regulatory agencies, but putting those into place and putting those into place on a regular basis, making those changes in process, I think is really important to work with the people that are impacted the most by it um, and helping your leaders through that because a lot of times they have to do it over and over every year, every quarter. And and so much intentional change just results in abject failure that I've seen. 
having spent 25 years with the government, yeah. the government would roll out changes to either to technologies or procedures, and they would always be met with just total resistance. Right. And um, I want to talk about, you know, why people fear change so much, or it appears that they do. They're just so resistant to change. Yeah. But how did you get started in this? What, what, what was your first change management gig? Oh, well, like officially. Yeah, officially. Because it's all we're doing it all the time. It's yeah. My, I think I can look back on in my career. I mean, I can think back to being 19 years old, a receptionist in this neighborhood, by the way, and um, that we're recording in. And the building was switching from uh, to a totally non-smoking building. Right. We used to be able to smoke in offices. I don't know if you all remember that. I, I remember. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was a city ordinance. And it was going to non-smoking. And I'm a little sweet 19-year-old receptionist. Um, and I had to apply my leadership skills and saying, hey, there's no more smoking. You know, putting up signs, making sure people are aware this ordinance is going to take place on this day. Um, these are the things that we'll do to accommodate as the tenant, you know, as a tenant. Um, and make sure that the renewing of the lease was up to date. And they were explained that in that entire process. But also um, accommodating them with other, you know, you can smoke 15 feet away from the building, mm -hmm. those different types of things. Like that was a, that was literally my first go at it with wow. change management. That seems like a really challenging one because I remember that meeting with uh, significant resistance. Yeah. That was not a popular change. No, it was not at the time, especially. And um, even thinking back to the power dynamic, I mean, sweet little 19-year-old Aaron the receptionist mm -hmm. telling 45 year old bad news yes. <laughs> oh that was cowardly that they said Aaron go do this come on um earn that four dollars and 75 cents mm -hmm. an hour yeah but really going out and um having conversations with those tenants and, and it was a it was a natural thing for me to do to say hey Bob you understand where we're at empathizing with him um showing him the accommodation you know you can smoke over here there's an ashtray there's a bench like we did accommodate mm -hmm. sadly but that's what we did because we wanted to keep them as tenants right when you think about applying that to current state organizational change management i want to work with the people um, the employees that are impacted the leaders that are um, putting forth the change and helping them to make accommodations where we are able to right um, we talked before if it's a, a safety let's just take the safety vest mm -hmm. you know do you are we going to do orange? Are we going to do green? Are we going to do yellow? Like, what can we do to accommodate and give choice in the matter and, and help that person come along? Mm -hmm. I love the fact that you brought up fear because whenever there's fear, that's where you see that resistance. Mm -hmm. And um, all of us, this when I'm, I'm working with clients, all of us have brains, which is really helpful for me um, because <laughs> I know a lot about how brain psychology works. Mm -hmm. And um, if you do this with me, put your hand out this way. And then fold your thumb underneath and then put your hand down. So this is my little model of the brain that I use. Okay. And this is the amygdala, right? Like every one of our senses, hear, smell, taste, mm -hmm. um, see, all has to come through the brainstem and it has to go through the amygdala. And the amygdala is where our reptilian brain is, right? You know, know a lot about this. Mine's overdeveloped up in the, yeah. <laughs> the reptilian brain. So that emotion is there. And usually I see it in fear. Or love, right? And so you have to get through that and it processes up to that prefrontal cortex. 
to say, hey, this is where I'm going to make all my smart decisions here. And I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to help contribute to the change. I'm going to um, provide input. I want to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. What leaders, I encourage leaders to do is really to ease that fear by let's talk about any of your concerns. Let's understand why why this fear is happening. It could be um, pretty legitimate in some cases. Like, I'm scared if we do this, um, it's not going to keep us safe. It's going to be more dangerous. I'm the one out on the floor. I'm the one who's doing this um, repetitive motion every day. I'm afraid that that this is what's going to happen. And then working with that leader to understand those fears, to help address them, answer any questions. Um, if there's an p- accommodation in the process that we can make, let's do it, right? We want to keep our um, employees. We want to make sure that they are able to do their jobs well, that they're able to be safe, and then also go off into retirement and play golf or go on walks with their dog or do whatever it is that they want to do in their retirement. That's interesting. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I'd not really considered that. I have seen numerous situations where changes have been implemented without a good strategy, mm-hmm. and the transition is not smooth. I, obviously, what we're hoping for is a smooth, you know, adoption of the change, and maybe some actual some um, positive reinforcement of the change. Right. It seems like um, this. I think this fear of loss. I'm going to lose something. In this change, I mean, uncertainty in general makes most people right. uncomfortable. Yeah. And helping people to understand, um, you know, if they if they are feeling that they're going to lose something in it, helping them to see maybe there's a gain, maybe there's more value. Um, I can think of examples that they might lose, I mean, you know, something that's really important to them. Like, I am the best um, machine operator in this area. And if you take this step away from me, I'm not going to be able to show my value in that um, that way, automated maybe um, one of the one of the steps, and to say, okay, um, we understand and we recognize that Doug, you were the best at this step that we're not going to automate, and you may feel that's a loss. But let's also point out all these other steps that you rock at, and you're doing great, and we want to make sure that you're able to do this faster. We're able to, as an organization, grow and and do this do this for a longer period of time. So a lot of times when you're when you're looking at um, the loss, it's the loss of that value, the loss of um, where they see themselves. Identity, maybe. Yeah, identity um, and being able to shift or reframe that with them, um, looking at actual data to show what, where do they actually provide the best um, um, effort or you know, provide the best value in the organization. Um, when I'm working with teams, a lot of times um, in helping to recognize that type of um, resistance from that individual, I talk about individual accountability and how you show up um, as an individual impacts your team, impacts your leader, and impacts the organization. And if we're all in this together, then how you show up as an individual, holding yourself accountable, leaning in to understand why we're making the change, what's what's in it for us as a group. Um, not only for me as an individual, but for us as a team and saying, okay, I see this automation is really going to benefit our team where we're going to be able to produce more. We're going to um, be safer. We're going to be able to show up for our customers better, um, whatever the goal of the the change is. Um, because I guarantee uh, the executives or the leaders are not up there thinking, how can I mess with Doug and his process right. today? Right. 
it's too expensive um, to do that. And it's too expensive to be wrong, which is another reason why when we're talking about whether or not you address the fear here up front and bring in your your teams to ask some questions, really understand the process and how it's working, um, use the data that you have available to you, and then um, put in the new process to make the change that, that is needed. Um, and then you'll have, le- hopefully you'll have less resistance when it's in that adoption phase, when it's in the coaching phase and we're going to the new normal. You're either going to do that here or you're going to do that here. But at some point you're going to address the resistance. Right. I'd much rather address it up front. Makes sense. And then go forward with the process. It's going to save your company money. It's going to save you um, retention of your employees, relationship with your employees. I mean, it, your training is going to be ac- more accurate. There's just so many benefits to um, u- utilizing change management. I'm not saying that just because I'm a change management no, no, practitioner. No, I completely, it makes perfect sense yeah. to me. And I love human beings. I mean, that's who we are. Oh, well, that's where we differ, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm kind of kidding some, somewhat. But yeah. so it seems like um, these are skills that every management group should have, whether they have an immediate need for it or not. Do you do... So your consultation involves assisting with a change. Right. If they're rolling out a new process or rolling out a new system or whatever they're doing. Yeah. In my world, in the safety world, we hear a lot of people saying, well, we want to change our culture. We want to drive this new culture. And that involves programs and even new vernacular oftentimes. And so, and rarely is that done well, you know, even though there is maybe a, a real desire to do so. But also, we make like smaller corrections all the time. I mean, even those little tweaks and corrections are changes. So the skill set that you bring is probably something that every management team should have. I agree. And um, so I started off my career as an actual FTE, working for various or- organizations mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I'm in here. I'm your partner. Um, I am working with leaders to build their competency in leading change. Um, no matter what change, if it's a organizational change, a process change, a technology change, um, we'll do that. And those are big transformations usually when someone brings in an FTE. Um, but as a, con- um, a consultant, it's more um, being a partner with the leaders and saying, I've rode this ride before. I've been on this rodeo. Mm-hmm. So these are the things that we need to look out for. And these are the things that we can do to reduce resistance, uh, retain employees, be collaborative, be inclusive, um, even if it's a cult, especially when it's a culture change. Mm-hmm. Culture change, or I mean, you have to have a good, solid strategy. That's a significant ask of most people. Yeah, yeah. and even vocabulary, you know, when you're trying to change um, how people work with each other, talk with each other, and um, yeah, and having the ability to be able to see that through because... Um, so I, the framework that I use is called ADCAR. It's a it's ProSci. Um, Could you say that again? ADCAR. ADCAR. Yeah. Okay. So it's awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, reinforcement. Five letters. Okay. Um, but the ability and and desire are something that um, you see in a lot of communications. You see in that collaborative effort of really understanding why we're making the change and what's in it for me, what's in it for our team, what's in it for our organization, and um, helping people to understand all of those things before they ever understand how we're actually going to do this and make yeah. this Oh, change. that makes sense, yeah. And then going to training, um, doing the ability and reinforcement 
is usually the area that companies fail and being honest. Um, what does ability refer to? Yeah, that's going back to is your it dad's mechanism or? and your hands on keyboard. Okay. You've been asked to do something different in the training, and then you're back in the ability phase. The ability phase is I'm, I'm wearing the technology that's being asked of me. I'm, I know how to put it on. I know how to um, start it up every time. I understand how to put this practice into place. And um, sometimes when you go back to your desk or you go back to the floor or wherever you're working, that ability phase needs some adjustment, right? Or you need some coaching from your leader to actually make the things happen that were being asked of you in the training or um, that positive reinforcement that we're looking for of saying, hey, this is really great. This is how we're able to use this to learn from this technology or we're able to um, produce faster or, you know, we have... Uh, zero safety incidents for the last 365 days. Those different types of um, areas that help that that reinforcement of the change. And you're measuring those things. So figuring out what behaviors you're measuring in that ability phase and helping leaders coach and guide through that, that's really, that's like, it sounds super simple, but it's something that we don't do on a regular basis. Yeah, we don't, I don't see that yeah. typically yeah. when we're implementing changes, but it sounds like there are common pitfalls I mean, we're dealing with humanity and, and everybody is going to receive that that uh, change directive differently, probably. Right. They're going to have different fears and they're going to be... I, I'm seeing this like a, a, a in my mind, a, a normal distribution, a bell curve. And at one at one side of the distribution, you always have your, your folks that are hard workers. They're always on board. They volunteer. They're going to do whatever you ask and more, you know, that discretionary energy group that's going to give. On the other end, you get the people that, this sucks. I'm never doing that. No, no, no. You know, flavor of the month. We just did something different last month, and now they're rolling some new crap out. And then under the under the curve, you've got a the, the majority of people who are just really wanting some direction. Right. And your comment about describing all of, you know, the why we're doing this, it's kind of about that Simon Sinek, you know, what's the why or right. why or whatever. Yeah. Figure out your why yeah. before you actually talk about how we're going to do it. Right. That makes total sense to me now that you yeah. say that. So that's the motivation for that person mm-hmm. of why am I going to pay attention in training? Why Why? Why, why should I? To me? Yeah. yeah. Why, why should I pay attention mm-hmm. in training? Um, and really uh, nailing that down. So- I taught at the police academy many years ago, mm-hmm. um, but at the time uh, we had to train, we had 800 law enforcement officers. We had to put through CPR training and um, we all knew that there were incidents that were under litigation because people had had heart attacks and needed CPR um, while they were under um, the supervision of police officers. And so we all knew why we were in training, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a secret, like, but the motivation that I and others who were training, um, CPR at the time, um, put forth to the group each time we trained them was this is not a mandate, you know, don't look at this as the mandate that we have to all go through this. Look at it as an opportunity. Like you can use CPR when you're at your kid's basketball game, Mm -hmm. when you're in your backyard at a picnic. Um, there's there's a number of ways to be able to use this certification that your the company is paying for. 
um, but really trying to, this is why we want to pay attention. I understand you all feel like you have to be here. And we've talked about mm-hmm. this too in our um, former conversation that sometimes an incident happens and the organization needs to respond appropriately by providing that. But really taking still, once again, taking that time to understand there there's not just the incident that we're responding to. It's actually the safety concern we want to make sure we're addressing for our employees, for our customers. So what what more can we dig in to really get maybe five whys of why we're there and not just one? Um, we're not just here because of the incident. We're here because we're responsible and we want to show up for our customers and, and um, our employees. And we we want to grow our company. We want to work together. We want to learn this together. Um, whatever those five whys are, and then being able to move into training. So everybody's there. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been at a training where you're like, what the hell am I here? Oh, constantly. Even the training that I give, I wonder that's, <laughs> you know. Nice. But no, you just touched on something that has yeah. really permeated my world, this, you know, yeah. this reactive change. We've had an incident, and oftentimes in my world, it's a bad accident or a fatality or something. And there is this knee-jerk response. And as you said, everybody sitting in the room knows that we are there. Oftentimes they believe it's because of some liability concern or issue within the management of the company. But we are there for that reason. Let's not sugarcoat this. We're not here because of, you know, this, you know, this happy, happy, touchy, you know. Yeah. We are there because we had a bad outcome and the company is reacting to that. But as you described... Whether or not you're on board with what the company is doing, there is value in that to you in some way. And the, the and that idea that this training can be valuable to you outside of the workplace is something that we always try to touch upon yeah. because it truly is. You know, the majority of your time is spent outside of the workplace if you're a 40-hour person, so. yeah. hopefully. And like you said, you may need these, these same skills, these same hazard recognition or whatever that might be skills can really serve you well out in your personal world as well. So finding that connection, making it relevant is really critical. Yeah, I agree. And I think it it doesn't take much, you know, being able to ask a handful of people, I you know, call it a focus group, call it whatever you want. You're asking a handful of people of, we know that we have to put a training together What's the motivation besides legally? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, find me find me some more connection to really understand why we're doing this as an organization. Why are we putting money into this? Um, and, and so who are you asking like, that question? If, I, if you've been retained by it. Yeah. If I've been retained, I want to understand who all the stakeholders are. Like, mm-hmm. who are the who are the people um, in, in the C-suite um, that are impacted by this? Is it the operations leader? Is it the um, person who's, you know, uh, distribution manager, what, whoever's in, impacted. But I also want to understand who are we bringing to training and what's their motivation for coming to this training? Um, what's their why? You know, is it important because they probably, you know, they might understand and empathize with the incident more of who was lost and who, you know, who was impacted um, by that specific incident. Mm-hmm. So what can we do to help um and bring that to fruition so I understand what their impact is and why they would be motivated to to learn um, about it. The other thing I like it made me think of is 
with like a big technology change when we have any type of legacy system. When I've gone into organizations and we're making changes there, um, I always want to know who who made this process or who created this technology when we first came in to this, you know, we started this 20 years ago. Um, because that person's really important. That's probably their baby or, you know, something that they were like, I contributed a ton. It's to very this. personal to them. Very personal. Um, so really understanding who that person is or who that team is and what can we do to learn from them? And hey, how can you make this better? What can we learn from you that you learned back 20 years ago implementing this that we can still apply today to um, our, our sweet human beings that are being impacted by it? Um, and that's really helpful to be able to understand more about who's who's filling and the biggest loss, maybe. I mean, that is a really interesting comment. And um, again, I'm envisioning the you know the 30, 40 year people that have been with the company all of those years. They were there in the beginning. They've been doing things a certain way successfully. Yeah. Obviously, if they're still operating for a long time. Yeah. And now we are changing something economically driven or whatever, technology driven, efficiency driven. And so then do you have to approach how you um, describe the change or imagine the change differently to those old crusty veterans versus these new young people that may embrace the technology change immediately? I mean, I I would lean right into my sweet veteran and understand like, what can I do to help um, you? I want to learn from you. Um, you probably have been complaining about this for, tw- maybe they've been complaining about it for 20 years and they're yeah. finally happy something's right. going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is um, always a concern, but leaning into somebody who's been there for a long period of time and understanding their perspective, because we might make an assumption that they're going to be grumpy about it, but it could be that they're the early adopter. Mm-hmm. Finally, someone's going to do something about this. Finally. Yeah. It's going to change this. I like that. I, I mean, I, and I, there's a lot of, dis- I, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, find that person. There is a person in your facility or a few people that are the veterans and they're grumpy. But if you can engage them yep. and you can enlist them, you know, in your mission, yeah, they are really powerful advocates. I agree. So understanding why they're so resistant. Yeah, that is one of my strategies and any strategy of any leader who's in this work um, should be is to embrace that that sweet, grumpy person. Mm-hmm. I And it's so funny. I would rather have a vocal. You have, you're, the glass is half full. Oh, oh it's not like a positive person. <laughs> um, but I would rather um, embrace a vocal dissenter is what I call them mm-hmm. um, than a silent dissenter. Silent dissenters are like that, that kind of cancer is, yeah, and they don't want to. I mean, I just, you're so funny when you do that. So I train law enforcement officers who would literally put up their pa- newspaper, um, mm-hmm. then listen to me. But it's walking around and, you know, hey, Jerry, you mm-hmm. know, ha- let's have this conversation. And how can, can you see this helping you in your work? How can you help me to, me to understand? Because I'm not doing your job every day. So what can you do to help me to understand if we implement this change? What are the pros and cons? What are the things that you're concerned about? What are the things that would benefit us? What are the things that would benefit our customers? What are the things that would benefit your peers? Really leaning into that conversation and not being afraid to have it um, is a step in the right direction anyway. Um, I think sometimes people are afraid to have those crucial conversations because they're afraid they're going to piss them off. And I would much rather have the conversation 
and really truly understand. And that's where I'm coming from is that genuine understanding of what are your concerns? Because they could be pretty legit. Like, hey, we did try this five years ago. Well, help me to understand what's different now. It's the technology or there's a new process or we're being forced to do it. These are all things that, yeah, we can empathize and understand and work together to get through. I think a lot of leaders are afraid to ask those questions too. I think, you know, they ruffle feathers perhaps, or they cause a little bit more conflict than they are willing to endure. So having a third party facilitate that is probably pretty important. Yeah. And I, I want their relationship to be there. I want it to be there all the way through the end. So having respect, um, understanding where this person has come from in their career, you know, what they have built, um, really understanding where, where they're at. I want the relationship with the, with the employee and the, and the organization to last a long time. And I want the relationship with that leader and their employee to last a long time. I think having a crucial conversation is more, um, more about retaining that relationship than the, the opportunity to have the relationship and really gel on something than to not have the conversation and, and split. You know, I see that happen a lot more that I'm just not going to talk about it. And then it never gets addressed. And then, you know, the grumpy employee, this is his little brain. Not happy if you can't see. You got the brain. Yeah, his little yeah. brain's going. Yeah. I'm I'm still crabby. I'm still stuck in that amygdala mm. because no one ever asked me about my fears. No one ever talked to me to get me to that prefrontal cortex. So is it does it necessitate a conversation with every person to some degree? I mean, not to every person because you can have that peer to peer. Once you <laughs> so super secret, not mm-hmm. not super secret. It's once you flip that your most vocal dissenter, it, especially if he or she is an influencer, you can flip the rest of the crew. I don't know if you think about a team that you've been on where you have, let's say, you know, a a veteran that can either, if you get him or her on board, they're going to bring everybody else along or, you know, in that middle 80% that you're talking about, or they're going to bring down your, your change or bring down your initiative. I think often I have been that person. Yeah. You know, I've been that person that will either lead one way or the other and yeah. not, not intentionally or even I don't intentionally undermine things, but I can remember, you know, being the more senior person and having some level of influence on my coworkers. Yeah. And so if someone was to take the time to really understand what your concerns were, why you were, you know, maybe not part of leading that change um, or asked about, because you have an expertise, because you've been there maybe longer than the leader has. Um, those are all things that are running around in your amygdala. Uh, and I'm not saying just you, any human being, and you're thinking about that and you're stewing on it. Or you're like, why? You know, there's a reason why you feel uncomfortable or um, incongruent with this change. And helping to resolve those and helping them, um, any anybody to help have a conversation and understanding why they're making the change. It's not personal. We do want to understand. And I agree. You don't have to talk to everybody. If you find your person of influence or your um, leading, the person leading from any state, you can help um, the rest of the team come along. Mm-hmm. They're they're strong leaders. Mm-hmm. It also, I mean, if I'm thinking strategically as a leader, it also gives them an opportunity to to lead from where they're at and a professional development opportunity, you know, be a part of this cross-functional team. Contribute your thoughts and um, input on how we can make this change better for your peers. And then go out and lead the change alongside of me. 
and that's rewarded. Hopefully, if you're at a good company with a great culture, right? Mm-hmm. And make it smoother. So, so let's talk a little bit about your the process. So, um, or your services in general as a consultant. What will you do for a company or a client? So, if they if they have a change that they know they're going through, or just prepare them for change in general. Or and, the, and then you facilitate. How does it, how does it work? If if we retain you, yeah. What kind of things can you do for us? Sure. So there is change readiness, which is the preparation, okay, um, for the change, and helping to do assessments and understanding where the organization is at. Whether there's an imminent change or not, you can right. prepare them for. Yeah. Because there is an imminent change, whether they realize yeah, it or not. Everybody's changing. I mean, you think about any type of technology. We're evolving faster and faster um, throughout. Every year, it seems again faster. Um, but yeah, being able to prepare your company for any change. Um, if you have, let's say, a company that's impact- impacted by regulation changes every year annually, let's set up a, a nice set of standards of these are the pro- this is the process that's going to happen anytime we see a new regulation come out. Um, we're going to, you know, understand what the regulation is from legal, what it is that we have to do, and then we're going to work with our team to see how we're going to implement this cross-functionally, um, together, safely, all these, you know, steps. I like that. And then if I'm Sally forklift driver, I know, oh, here's the things that are starting to happen. I know that this regulation change is going to happen or it's that time of year that these regulation changes come. I know I'm going to um, be asked by my leader to attend a meeting um, for a training. I'm going to be asked for input on that. And like these are things that we can just set up as regular habits like to make it a normal course of business. Yeah. Right. Because we know that these are going to change. Also, if there's a big um, implementation of a new technology, let's talk about the wearable technology mm-hmm. um, that's helped with safety. Um, any type of um, those big changes where you're going to have a mindset shift and and you're going to have um, some resistance. Big brothers looking down on me. Um, how can we start to have conversations with our teams so that they understand the reasons why that we're making this change, why it's important, what are our goals in setting and making this change, and um, help get their input on what's important to them. You know, because they're the ones that are on the on the floor or out in the field or doing what you know wherever they're working. Um, be able to get their input and then put those processes and steps in place. How can this technology enable us to be more efficient, meet our goals? Um, serve our customers better, grow our company, um, whatever it is that you're able to use that data for, keep our um, keep our company employees safe. Does that have to come from, so I'm envisioning Make You Safe, the com- yeah. kind of the wearable technology that you're describing and, uh, you know, sponsor of the podcast and good friends over in Des Moines. And I'm, I know that when they come in to implement that process initially, there is a lot of resistance because of that whole big brother thing that you just described. All of a sudden, now they're going to know I'm taking an extra 15 minutes at lunch or whatever. Everybody and, knows that you're taking the Yeah, it's, all right. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's well understood. <laughs> yeah. So, but so I'm sure they come in. They're a very astute group, but they come in and they probably address those things. But they may not be well then addressed by the company. Right? Can it? Is it possible to do this with the the third party driving that, or is it? It must be imperative that the company is also yeah. participating in that. Yeah. I When I work with leaders, I I explain to them very well, like, 
nobody's going to open an email from Aaron Aliano if, we're, if you're a leader. Hopefully. You want my business. Right. <laughs> um, but your employees aren't. They Number one, they want to hear from their direct leader about any any type of behavioral changes, process changes, any new technology coming in. They want to hear from the CEO or the C-suite on why it's important that we're making this change, what the goals are, um, how to set this up for success, what they're going to do to help support, um, what training is going to be in place, how they're going to um, address any concerns, all of those big picture um, strategic. And then from the leader, they want to know exactly what we're doing for our team and why is it beneficial for us. So it's a little bit uh, macro, micro when it comes to any type of communications. But yes, from a third party, like technology, it's always somebody working with the actual organization because that communication needs to happen in a personal level mm-hmm. um, in a very big connection, right? I'm not an expert in in safety. I'm an expert in people. Mm-hmm. And you have people who work in safety job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not an expert at being a police officer, but I am an expert with people who are doing the duties and tasks of a police officer or a finance person mm-hmm. or a credit lender or any of those. Yeah, I like that. So I, I'm, again, envisioning make you safe they in order to make this transition work they probably need to retain you and send you into the organization ahead of the implementation schedule so that you can get these definitely pieces in place yeah that they're a fantastic outfit that'd be a great partnership i love listening to that um podcast and Mm -hmm. and hearing they sound like they have um a really good um same um mindset Mm -hmm. in working with people making their product better based on no doubt um implementing or based on their past implementations and their past products. Um, yeah, being able to um, assess the change readiness and understand what the gap is there. Um, let's say there's a company that they really stink at communication. Like communication's really important. Like most of <laughs> truthfully. Yeah. Um, being able to help build up that communication muscle. Um, even one, uh, one place where people know, this is where I go for the latest and greatest information on this implementation. Implementation could be happening nine months from now, but what is what are we going to start? What beat are we going to start making sure people are getting the latest and greatest information, the most accurate information, and the ability to provide feedback, starting that feedback loop so that we can understand, hey, this is not landing, this is landing, or um, they're not, they think this is fluff. Let's not, that's the other part is all the fluff stuff. So cut out the fluff. Mm-hmm have serious conversations and put that communication out there so people understand what's being asked of them, what's the expectations, what goals are we trying to achieve, like why are we putting money into this, and um, and help them wrap their minds around it, you know, that amygdala into the prefrontal cortex and ask the questions that they need so that we can have a good implementation and start measuring what matters on the other side. I mean, I'm, there's really no limit to how the utility of these, these concepts, because now I'm envisioning... Okay, man, we're just like repaving the parking lot. And so now everybody's going to have to park yeah, somewhere park else. Somewhere else. Yeah. And even though that might seem like a trivial change, it's going to, Im- I mean, the water cooler is going to be buzzing, right? I mean, right. and you want to try to head that off at the pass. Minimize the amount of time that the disruption. we're confused. Or even the misinformation mm-hmm. um, that happens. Like, oh, they're never, you know, they're ne- they're going to probably pave half the parking lot and never pave the other half. Mm-hmm. Those, ki- those kinds of things that stir up. Yeah. They, and I... Love their little amygdala. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, the people, reptile. Yeah. People get stuck there. Yeah. Yes. They um we have a bias to make up our own stories. We have a bias to be like, 
oh, you know, the CEO, he likes to do the flavor of the month and this is the most popular thing right now. Here we now. go so again. This is what we're going to do. Um, instead of saying, really, what is he or she saying about this? Is it true? Does it match up with what our strategic goals are? Does it match up with what we're trying to achieve as a company? Does it meet our customers' needs? Like, do we understand really why we're doing this? And getting that congruence. So remember last time we stew in the incongruence because something's not, it's not right. Um, but to get that congruence so that we can get to that prefrontal cortex and say, you know what, I'm, I know I'm a leader from where I seat or I sit. And I want to make sure that my peers are coming along and we're, we're part of this change and right. we're going to make it, you know, make it work. Yeah. Wow. This is huge. Yeah. I, love I mean, it. the more that you describe it, the more utility that it obviously has and the more critical it is. And it's really understandable why so many changes just fall flat. Yeah. They just fail. There's a lot of, re- a lot of ways to screw up. There are. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, uh, so think about our society right now. We're so distracted, right? It's so easy to get distracted. When I think about um, some a leader saying, you know, Doug's not paying attention, Sally's not paying attention. I can't get I can't get my people to move along. Well, let's really think about what's going on. Maybe in their personal life, you know, is Doug's wife going through something? Um, is Sally just had a baby? You know, like what are some things going on there? Because it's personal, um, you know. Work. You bring your personal stuff to work sometimes, um, but is there an opportunity to get them back on the happy path? Is it, there an opportunity to get to the, the there is a happy path? <laughs> there is a happy path. I've missed it a bit. <laughs> to get them back, um, you know, to achieve this goal, and um, you know, maybe that's a one-on-one conversation. Um, maybe that's an opportunity to to really lean into understanding where your team is at and and what they're struggling with, um, but. But it can happen and not just making up the story as a leader in your own head, like, ah, Doug's always resistant, but really trying to address what's going on with Doug that he's he's being resistant, not just assuming he's resistant because he's an old grumpy dinosaur. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think, like you said before, leaders are resistant to having those conversations and I'm more than happy to help coach people through those conversations, help lead them into those conversations. Um, because in the long run, I want the relationship to be successful between the employee and their, in their, uh, organization. Right. I want long-term happy employees. So Who, everyone does. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that they have any idea how to get there, but everyone does. Yeah. This is some, I mean, it's, it's something to do. I, ca- I can't to envision a company that doesn't need your service. You know, truthfully, whether that be, you know, in preparation for a big major undertaking or even just for these relatively common day to day types of changes, just to have that skill set at their uh, at their disposal. Yeah. Um, So but do you want to keep talking? How do you I was going to say, how do you get it? I was going to say, hold Well, let's start like you have the change readiness, but then Mm -hmm. so you have your operational strategy or, you know, however, we're going to get this to fruition. But there's also a change strategy that goes along with it. The communications, the training um, is part of it. But also um, the feedback loop, the focus groups, how are we going to involve a cross-functional discipline team um, to provide provide input? How are we going to check with people along the way? Like there's a lot of other, there's a whole change strategy that goes along on top, underneath, meshed in, however you want to look at it, um, with, with implementing any type of process people or um, technology change 
And then once again. So you coach on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And help them to implement it. Like what questions are we asking in a pulse survey? I got you. What's really going to make a difference um, in helping them to come along? And when we get those results back, actually taking action on them and not just being like, oh, look, we have yeah. these results. People. Put them in my inbox. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. These are the actions that we're going to take um, because we heard this from the survey. Um, and then or. So you're going to help people with survey. Yeah, action. Yeah, I mean that's in focus just groups as a as a small subset of it. That's something people do horribly, typically as well. You know, not asking the right questions and certainly not utilizing the feedback. Exactly, the feedback is is key because otherwise you're going to get people who are like, "Well, I'm not doing the survey. They never do anything with the information anyway." Right? We used to do the survey <laughs> of the government. Okay, so this was a mandatory survey, and it it was about ten or twenty factors, and they would ask us to give feedback about these different elements and. We would all give feedback, and they would always come back the same. And then we were tasked with um, some sort of uh, mitigation or yep. corrective action of some sort. Yeah. And we would look at the top three, and the top two usually had to do with management, so we knew nothing would change there. So we would cross those off, <laughs> and we would get down to, like, element number seven that was, you know, what flavors of soda should we have in the vending machine? And we would so end up, you know, we would work on something yeah. like that. Well, at least you're responding. We responded. That's a step in the right direction. There, you could have just been like, eh. "Well, that ultimately it got to that." I think because because yeah. the actions were because you didn't feel like there was going to be any any any, any result, any change yeah. from that. Yeah, that's what else you got on there. Okay. Um, the last one is really um, that sustainment and saying we're going to measure this Jeez. and we're going to continue to have this as business as usual and get to that new normal and being able to make adjustments. Okay, um, they're not following. After training, people are back at their job site and they're not following through. What can we do to, to help reinforce it? What can we do to help? And positive reinforcement goes a long way, not just negative reinforcement, but really what are we going to do to help coach and guide them? And we're going to measure to make sure that we actually achieve the success that we're looking at, the return on our investment, the retaining employees, whatever the goal was for that. Um, and, to sustain that it, obviously. and sustain it, sustain it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times that's where companies fail, where they're just like, oh, gosh, this was really hard. That's where you get the changes hard. We've lost. We've launched it. Yeah, we've got to follow through with it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But I love it. People can get a hold of me um, through my email. Um, I'm And I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, Aaron Aliano. Right. Common spelling. E-R-I-N. No, I don't know if that's common or not, but Aliano, A-L-I-A-N-O. I found you, so. You. I'm in the Omaha metro yep. area, yep. yeah. We're LinkedIn. I don't know. I think that's what it's called. I'm not a social media person. Yeah. 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 LinkedIn is my only form. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. Yeah. Four Leaf Solutions. You have a website. I don't have a website. You don't have a website. Yeah. You don't need a website. Yeah. I have a website. It's a waste of money. Yeah. I, you don't need a website. I'm still debating that. So. Oh, your email. My email is Aaron, E-R-I-N, the number four, solutions at gmail.com. I like that. Yeah. Aaron for solutions. And so we are rolling up on time. Tell me a little bit about the, uh, th- th- there seems to be a, a theme. there's a theme, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the uh, four-leaf clover, and yep. is there a yeah. connection? I mean, what? Yeah, so. Are you Irish? I am Irish. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so on St. Patrick's Day, celebrated in my family, um, you know, like good Midwesterners. And yeah. Um, we, yeah, we love and embrace so when I was thinking about naming the company, um, first I went through all the Tom Petty songs that are my favorite because he's my favorite. <laughs> right. 
you hear that, Leanne? We got another Tom Petty fan here. Um, and, uh, you know, he has a lot of songs about change, but none of them fit um, what I was looking for. So I went with um, Four Leaf for the Four Leaf Clover. And there's faith, hope, love, and luck. And when I'm thinking about change, you have to have faith in the change that you're making. Um, you have to have a little bit of hope in the mm-hmm. people that you're leading through the change. Um, you have to lean in with that love um, mm-hmm. to coach them through and really support them through the change. And kind of alleviate yeah. that fear, right? I mean, those are almost That's opposites. Opposite. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Dunk, you're awesome. Um, and then there's always a little bit of luck um, when it comes to to making a change. And, I like that. Yeah. Good so, for you. Thank you. That's really cool. I think that's something people will remember. Um, yeah. We've got a few minutes left. Is there a take-home message that you would like to send people home with, or sure, you have uh, a story you can tell about a like a, a successful change? Anything that you would yeah. like to? Um, one thing I do want to say is um, Abby has invited me to the Midwest Safety Co-op meeting. Fantastic. Um, September twenty-eighth, um, and seven a.m. to eight a.m. is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, so I, it's virtual. So you will be giving a presentation I, for the Midwest Safety Cooperative. Yep. And it's on five change leadership skills. Um, so that's a start. I love that. Yeah. And it, they're super, they're super simple. And you're probably um, going to listen to them and say, okay, totally know those. But it's something just to keep in mind when you are leading your teams through change. And um, so I encourage people to, um, you know, see. Yeah, well, we've got more. a pretty large membership of the Midwest Safety Cooperative and in, in large part because of Abby. You know, she's been kind of driving, she and Danny Arroyo have been driving that for me for a while. So it is outstanding. So we'll look forward to that. Yeah. So, and I would encourage anybody who's looking at um, change management um, and being able to implement any type of ch- uh, strategy, project, um, whether you're trying to grow your business, whether or not you're trying to implement a new safety technique or um, compliance from regulations, is reach out. I'm more than happy to consult with anybody. I'm more than happy to go into a contract and, and engagement and helping people. And if I'm not available, I'm also helping, happy to refer and, and partner with others. Um, I think change management is something that organizations do when they really care about their, their people. And it's a question. so easy to show that you care about your people when you're bringing in um, somebody who wants to have conversations with them, wants to know how to do things better, um, wants to make sure everybody's change ready for any change that happens. And then um, wants to hear feedback from their teams to be able to make things better for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can can we put you on retainer then? So like for the we'll put you on retainer, and then when we have these issues come up, we can like reach out to you and get get a little boost of. Yeah. Yeah. So there's um, a contract if there is a, a statement of work mm-hmm. that goes along with a actual project that's sure. going forward, and then there's the retainer if you need um, some consult as you maybe you've have smaller changes you want to build those habits you want to do some training for your leaders and then have coaching afterwards um there's a number of different packages that i love that yeah Yeah, that's fantastic what about uh, like open enrollment if i set up like an open enrollment course like leadership training and you come in and you talk about this piece would you be interested in doing something like that 100 percent. i've got some leadership people that i turn to i have absolutely no leadership skills I was in the government for 25 years, so I, I don't know. I was a lot there about for leaders. seven and a half, so. Yeah, well, so you, you've overcome that somehow. Good, good therapist, maybe, or yeah. whatever that was. But that's funny. I really, I really think going forward, 2024, I would really like. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and doing safety for a long time, and 
the criticality of the leadership piece cannot be overstated, you know? And this change piece is so important that I really want to, I've been thinking about this and my buddy Aaron, my buddy Chris, you know, we've been talking about doing leadership training, coaching, you know? And I know you can listen to Simon Sinek on whatever, but. But it's the application of it, right? You can do a training, you can see your TED Talks, you know, um, all nice. whatever you want, but it's actually the application. So if we're thinking of making a behavioral change for leaders, um, they're aware that they need to change. I'm going back to the ad car framework. Mm-hmm. They're aware that they need to make a change. Um, they have a desire or motivation to try to make that change, to be a better leader, to um, show up for their team better, to be better for their organization, um, to be more marketable, whatever their motivation is. And then the knowledge that you want to share in this leadership course or this leadership cohort academy Um, be able to give them that, but also then the application, right? The ability phase when they go back to work and they're applying it and they're like, okay, I tried to um, engage with my biggest resistor. It it didn't work. It was shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, No, you're... And saying, okay, let me help you coach coach you through that. Let me, that's my, where the retainer package comes in. Let me help coach you through that. And this is a way that you can approach it and think about how you're going to do it before just doing it. And then if that didn't work, let's regroup and figure out how we're going to do it again because yeah. we're not going to just give up. We're going to keep trying to go back and, and help this person and help your team. Um, and then reinforce that. What are some of the behavioral changes that we want to see with that team? Uh, what are you, some of the behavioral changes that you want to see as a leader? And who's holding you accountable for that? Hopefully you're a leader. Um, one of the areas, too, not only for leaders, um, when we're thinking about as individuals, I lined up to do a couple of presentations for some local organizations that they're struggling with um, the next generation of individual accountability mm-hmm. and um, talking with them, um, not as a, a ever shame or blame, but as an individual, I show up and I'm part of a team. If I come in and I'm in a poopy mood, then I'm impacting the environment that I'm around. So what can I do to um, ensure my individual accountability to my team, to my leader, to the organization? Um, and I just have a number of leaders that have reached out and they're like, we're struggling with this. Putting together a plan, not only to do the presentation, but then to have that as an individual, pick out a behavioral um, change that you want to do for yourself. Um, And it can benefit your family. It can benefit your work life. And um, holding them accountable and saying, okay, these are the steps that we're going to do to change that behavior. Work with your leader one-on-one to help coach them through. And um, that's something... I really think that would be too. useful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think sometimes maybe we are unaware or minimize the impact that that negativity, even from a team member who may not be the leader of the team, can have on it. Right. On an organization. Yeah, and I've been guilty of that too. Of course. You know, every everybody's human. Everybody has a brain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, got to get them on the happy path. The happy path, <laughs> or the happy trail, or whatever. That <laughs> absolutely no. I appreciate that, and I think. You know, bringing that positivity into your work is yeah. so important. It's That's... it's stressful. I know change is stressful for mm-hmm. people. And my goal is to help minimize the amount of stress, really think through and strategize how can we partner up and make sure that our we're going to get everybody through it, but through it successfully and happy and engaged and wanting to be a part of this organization, wanting to be a part of a team, wanting to work with your leader, um, wherever you're at, is really to to help that relationship for that organization and that leader and that person. Yeah, I like that. Aaron Aliano, uh, Four Leaf Solutions. 
change management, but so much more than that, really, when you get right down to it. Yeah, it's a lot of it. It's a lot coaching, mm-hmm. a little bit of counseling. Yeah, yeah. I think we are all counselors to some degree. I agree. Consultants seem to act in that role oftentimes. Yeah, yeah. and I that's think okay. Kind of it, yeah, it's beneficial for leaders to have someone to bounce ideas off of or help walk me through. Or have you ever been in this situation? Right. I think that's really helpful. I know it would benefit me in some of my past experiences. Agreed. Yeah. It's Aaron, the numeral four solutions at gmail.com. And don't look for the website because it's going to be hard to find. No, you're fine. I'm a little overrated. This has been really interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it's great. And uh, we'll have to thank Abby. You'll see see her maybe before. I I don't know. I will. I invited her over um, next week for the Husker game. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Well, tell her I said thank you. I'll talk to her at some point. Thanks, everybody. I, I hope you find this as informative and as useful as I do. I think everybody needs to be on board, uh, getting prepared for the inevitable change that we all face probably every day. And these skills undoubtedly are not everywhere that I go. So I think everyone would benefit from some some more information about this. So give Erin, or I guess don't call her, email her yes. or hit her on LinkedIn. Yeah, more than happy to. The social media that most of us do. That, That's the only one I That own. doesn't disgust us. Uh-huh. Totally. And uh, have a great weekend. Uh, let's let's see if the Huskers can pull it out this weekend. That would be nice, right? Well, they're going through some transition, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Have you worked with them at all? No, they, maybe they should call me or email uh, me or LinkedIn me. I would think so. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, guys, have a great weekend. I hope you have a good week next week. We will talk to you again next Friday. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.